Right, today's um, reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, and it's page 969 in your Bibles. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, thank you, Colin. Um, do keep that passage um, open. Uh, actually, um, sort of mark it, because we're going to be going back to that passage. We're actually going to be going back to Exodus first. So if you want to keep a, a finger in Matthew and then turn back to Exodus uh, chapter 20, page 78, because uh, we'll be looking at that. And, and just to say thank you for those who have... Um, bought these new Bibles. They're lovely, aren't they? And we wanted to have more Bibles so that more of us could have a Bible to open and, and look at physically. There's you know, real benefits, aren't there, to having a, a Bible app, but there are drawbacks as well because we can't see the context as easily. We can't do cross-references as easily. So uh, you know who you are who've um, uh, purchased the Bibles for. So thank you very much. But let's pray, shall we, before we look at God's Word together. Father, we thank you so much that we're not alone in understanding your word, that you have poured out your spirit on your church. Thank you that your spirit shone the light of the gospel into the hearts of those first disciples. Thank you that the early church was filled with boldness when they understood what you'd done for them and filled with praise for you. So, Lord, we pray that as your spirit is alive, as he is in all who trust in Jesus, that he would be our teacher this morning, that he might give us new hearts and fresh boldness. For his glory we pray. Amen. Well, how do you, how do I, treat the name of Jesus? What, what do we make of the name Jesus Christ? How, how do we use his name? How do we react to his name in, in our hearts? I mean, the laws of blasphemy in our nation are long gone, aren't they? People can use the name of God and, and Jesus Christ as, as swear words. We encounter it daily, probably, without it creating the shock it once did. Maybe we wince at the way that others use the name of God and the name of Jesus. Well, why is that? Maybe it doesn't bother us at all. And we find ourselves using the name of Jesus and God without much care outside of a Sunday morning. Maybe we would long to be able to use the name of God and Jesus in a different way, but we, we fail repeatedly. Old habits die hard. How do we use the name of Jesus? Well, two points I want us uh, to think about. Uh, this morning as we come to God's word, the first is this, do not 
misuse God's name because his name saves. Because his name saves. And then secondly, our language is to be consistent like that of Jesus. Our language is to be consistent like that of Jesus. Now, the third commandment, let's just read it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And that commandment, the third commandment, is to be read alongside the other first commandment, two commandments, isn't it? Uh, the first commandment, if we just flip over the page to see that, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me, no other gods in, in God's presence, he's the only God, so no other gods in his face, literally, before his face. And, and then the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an image. Don't worship anything visible, because as soon as something is visible, well, it's less than God, because God is eternal and invisible. The creator, he has not been created. But why has the Lord given these first three commandments? As we've seen, that the Israelites were not rescued because they kept these commandments, were they? No, they had been rescued by the God judging the gods of Egypt and all the idols, and he's rescued them because of his faithful love, his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's rescued his people because he's a promise-keeping, faithfully loving covenant God. It's really important that we read the Ten Commandments without forgetting verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He's rescued them. And so he's now teaching them how they're to live in a relationship with him which pleases him. See, the Lord had provided the sacrificial lamb, hadn't he? The Passover lamb to take the judgment that the Israelites deserved so that they could be rescued out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And then he'd... He destroyed the enemy, Egypt, in the Red Sea as they traveled. And through all these events, the Lord had revealed his name. His name, Yahweh, the Lord, in capitals. The I am that I am. And so when he says, I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery... Well, of course, that name would have been very precious to, it, to them. Or it should have been. And so God says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, Yahweh, your God. For the Lord, Yahweh, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We'll see a little bit more about why that might be as we go. What names are precious to you? What, what names of people in your life, when you hear the name, well, it's, it's a precious name. You love them. The name of Maria was precious to Simone. Why? Because Maria was the name of the mother superior of a convent in Italy that rescued him and his family from German soldiers because they were Jewish. 
The name of Daniel Mazur may mean nothing to us, but it's precious to Lincoln Hall. Why? Because when Lincoln Hall was approaching the summit of Mount Everest, he passed out with altitude sickness. Not a particularly safe thing to do when you're close to the summit of Everest. And Daniel Mazur carried him down. So of course, Daniel's name is precious to Lincoln. He rescued him. Is the name Jesus Christ precious to you? Has he rescued you? Do you know that he's rescued you? Well, if you do, then what name is greater than the name of Jesus? What he has done for you and for me, he has rescued us from slavery to sin, from slavery to death, from slavery, from the fear of hell. He loves us, and we love him, do we not? We love him. His name is so precious to us because we know that that name has saved us. But do we misuse his name? Can we at the same time love the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, trust in the name of Jesus for our eternal future, call on him, as our Lord, our Yahweh, Joshua, and miss his, misuse his name. Can we say at the same time, God, I love you, I delight in you, I'm your child, and misuse his name? And of course, of course we can, because we're sinful people. But I think we need to be careful here. I think this is what this commandment would suggest to each and every one of us this morning, because we come from a culture in which it's, okay to say, and I'm just going to use ways of describing this without actually doing it, because then that would be contradicting the very sermon that I'm preaching, OMG. Is that okay for us to say as Christians? Maybe we need to be more careful, because the name of God saves. It's precious to us. It's not just an academic name out there like anybody else that we can disrespect because God's name is precious to those who have been saved. Is his name precious to you? Do you know the name of Jesus as your rescuer? Do you know the name of God, Yahweh, as the one who loves you, who is your father, your savior, your brother, your friend? And so if we catch ourselves misusing the name of God, maybe there's ways out that we need to start to put into practice. I've got some uh, uh, friends. I, I haven't struggled with this, but I, I know others who, who do struggle with this. Oh, my gosh, is a very helpful way out. Or oh, my days. That wasn't a thing until recently, was it? But there's ways of avoiding using God's name. You see, if we're Christians here this morning, we have called on the name of Jesus, and he saves us. As Romans says, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is L-O-R-D, capital. He is the creator, the one for whom everything exists, including my life. If we confess with our lips, Jesus is my Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We are rescued in a rescue that is far deeper and greater and more wonderful and more precious than the rescue of the Israelites. 
So if they were warned of misusing the name of Yahweh, how much more do we need to be warned of misusing the name of this Lord, whose name is above every name, who without trust in his name, we will not be in heaven. He said, well, I, I do. I, I keep misusing his name and I, I'd rather not. What do I do? Well, remember that Jesus died in human terms because of the charge of blasphemy. He was put on trial. The high priest charged him on oath, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Only God would do that, come on the clouds of heaven to judge the Son of Man, Daniel 7, the one who all the earth will worship. He's claiming to be God at his trial. And so, of course, the high priest tears his robes and says, he has spoken blasphemy. He is worthy of death. And they spat on him and struck him with their fists. Jesus was condemned and crucified for the charge of misusing the name. Yeah, he was telling the truth. But it reminds us, does it not, that he was condemned for your blasphemy and mine, not his own. If we've trusted in him, if we've called on his name, we are guiltless before him for every sin, including the habits of blasphemy we may battle. Because he was treated as a blasphemer, so we can be treated as beloved sons and daughters of God. How precious his name is to us. So firstly, do not misuse the Lord's name because his name saves. So obviously we're not going to turn to the name that saves and trust in his name if we think it's a worthless name that we constantly misuse. But Jesus has done everything for us to be guiltless. But then secondly, our language is to be consistent like Jesus language was. Let, let's turn to Matthew. So we're leaving Exodus. That's the third commandment, which is fulfilled in the, the life of Jesus so that we, uh, if we trust in Jesus, can speak like he spoke. And the danger is probably that it's too easy for us to lower the standards of the use of the name of Jesus amongst us or in our own personal lives because of the culture we live in. We live in a culture, don't we, where the name of Jesus Christ is used regularly as a swear word, is it not? In the workplace, on TV, the music we listen to. And so it would be easy to find ourselves delighting in the name of Jesus in our time together on a Sunday morning and then not really being bothered about the name of Jesus in the workplace or in our wider non-Christian family maybe or what we watch on TV. I mean, it'd be a bit like us being okay 
with someone this illustration really may not work, but you'll, you'll get what I'm trying to, to drive at. You know, somebody rubbishing ambulances in front of somebody who's in the middle of a stroke before us. You know, somebody's suffering from a stroke, and they say, call the ambulance, and you just say, oh, ambulances, oh, that ridiculous ambulances. Who needs an ambulance? Or, or someone saying in the presence of someone having an anaphylactic shock, uh, and they say, I need my EpiPen, I need, I need my EpiPen, and you say, EpiPens, Schmepipens, no, they're just a waste of time, just disrespecting the very name of the thing that saves. Or someone who's having a heart attack with a defibrillator up on the wall, being told by someone else, bah, bah, it's just a green load of nonsense. Defibrillator. And here is a name that saves more deeply, more fully than ambulances and EpiPens and defibrillators good as those things are, but we never think of rubbishing the things that save life, would we? Would we? Doesn't even cross our minds. Yet we can find ourselves slipping into inconsistency when it comes to the name of Jesus. And can inconsistency, Jesus says, comes from the evil one who hates people being rescued. Can we detect the sulfurous whiff of his influence on our lives as we come back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33? Come with me and let's read these verses again. As we know, Jesus is uh, describing how he fulfills the Old Testament law in the Sermon on the Mount. Amongst other things, he, he takes a lot of the commandments and, and amplifies them and brings them to bear right on the heart and so he says in verse 33, Again you have heard it was said to the people of long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the oaths you have made. It's about speech. And I don't know if you uh, know what was going on. Um, what was going on is that people had a, a, an area of their speech which was shot through with deceit and lying. That was the expectation in the Old Testament. And therefore, in order for people to, to speak truthfully and reliably and trust in, in a trustworthy sense to each other, they would make oaths. Yeah, I'm really telling you the truth today, and I swear on the temple that I'm telling you the truth. Or, or I swear by heaven, or I swear on my head. But Jesus says, but I tell you, do not swear at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from Satan, from the evil one. Jesus is saying, look, if you have one area of truthful speech in your life which is guaranteed by oaths or ways in which you tell people, no, I'm really, really telling the truth this time, and other areas of your speech which clearly cannot be trusted, that comes from the devil. And Jesus has defeated him, praise God. So we don't need to live like that anymore. We're now in the new realm of the Spirit. Now, we could apply this to many things, but it clearly applies to the use 
of the name of God's name in oaths or the name of Jesus' name. We're in the, the area of blasphemy here. It was one of the ways in which Jesus is applying the third commandment to the lives of his followers. And he's saying, look, as followers of me, just let your yes be yes and your no, no. Let your whole life be consistent in what you say. We are to be truthful. Not one area that is one kind of truth and another area that is another kind of truth. And especially with the use of his name. Of course, it must apply to how we use, how we react to the name of Jesus. The, the only name that saves. So let's just apply this as I draw things to a close. It, it is very tempting, isn't it, for us to be using the name of Jesus here on a Sunday morning in one way and using the name of Jesus or God throughout the week in a different way. And if that's us, <laughs> somebody might, yeah. Um, how, how do we make progress in this area? Maybe it's our wider family or, or some of our friends that use the name of Jesus. And as we spend time with them, it just sort of rubs off on us. Our reverence for the name of Jesus is reduced. Maybe it's the media we consume or the music we listen to. We cannot have Jesus' name as precious in one area of our lives and not in others. We are to be consistent in our language like Jesus was and we are united to him. Um, as you know, uh, last weekend I was uh, down with food poisoning. I'm very grateful today for uh, reading out how far I'd got in my sermon. It uh, could have gone further, but I'm just very grateful that I didn't have to be here uh, battling nausea and diarrhea. So thank you. Um, uh, but uh, as I was recovering, uh, I watched one of my uh, favorite series. Uh, forgive me if you don't like this. I, I really enjoy The Detectorists, uh, and I love it because the, the humor is subtle. It's uh, set in Essex around here near Colchester. It's about archaeology, which I also love. I love the actors in it. Um, and as I was preparing for this, I thought, oh, OK, I'll, I'll just listen out for blasphemy. And there it was, pretty regularly, quite a lot. I think I had, I had been aware of it, but maybe my reactions were being dulled because of the rest of what was going on, which I enjoyed. Normally, if someone uses the name of Jesus Christ as a swear word, as an expletive, it hurts. Does, does, it, does it not hurt? Something as precious to us as the name of Jesus being used as if it's trash. But it got me thinking, you know, why was I tolerating it? Why didn't I switch off? I mean, I'd switch off other things which were more blatant, but why not that? I mean, if there was graphic sex, or graphic violence, or graphic idolatry and witchcraft, I'd probably really struggle, to, you know, I'd probably switch it off, but graphic blasphemy? Why do we have a Christian response to the denial of marriage between one man and one woman for life, 
but not a Christian response to blasphemy. I don't know of any Christian body that is seeking to affect public policy to at least give us as Christians support if we don't want to listen to that through our media outlets or in our workplaces. I mean, blaspheme the name of Muhammad, what will happen? Now, I'm not suggesting that as Christians we respond in the same way. And if somebody blasphemes the name of Jesus, uh, we put a fatwa on them. Or we threaten to respond with violence and terrorism. I know not all Muslims respond in that way. I don't know. Maybe we need to consider writing letters of complaint to broadcasters about this, as about other issues, because this name is the most precious name that people need to respect in order to call on to be rescued from hell. How can it for us become a minor thing for me? Maybe we need to protest in the workplace. I'm not sure how. I'm just throwing out ideas. Maybe we need to talk more about this issue than we do. Maybe in the workplace or amongst family or friends when they use the name of Jesus in this way. Maybe we just need to not accept it. Maybe we need to say, look, I'm, I, really find, I really find it hard when you, you, you use the most precious name I know in that way. Out of respect for me, I, I, treat, I consider you as a friend. Please, would you... And then as we wince when they use it, they may say, Oh, sorry, 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 I, I, I forgot. But if we don't say anything, and they keep going, what will happen to us and to them in our respect for the name that is above every name? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And of course, that applies to loving his name. We're to be consistent, like Jesus was. And isn't it wonderful to hear in John chapter 12 that this is what the words of Jesus were like. I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Every word of Jesus was pure and perfect. And for the honor of God's name, for the honor of his Father's name, he went to the cross so that we can be joined to his perfect speaking. One day our hearts will be renewed, will they not? Everything that comes out of our hearts in the new creation will be pure and perfect. And so every word that overflows from our hearts will be like that of Jesus fully pleasing to God in every respect. And our love for him will be pure and perfect. What a day that will be. If we trust in Jesus, we're not only forgiven, we're given the Holy Spirit as we celebrate today, who works in our hearts, who writes this third commandment on our hearts. God has promised. There will be a day when we never use God's name in even the slightest bit of blasphemy.
So let's cast ourselves afresh on Jesus, who has done everything through his great name to save us from sin and death and hell and to write on our hearts by his spirit the ability to be consistent with how we use his name. Let's just pray as we close. Lord, please forgive us for ways in which we don't love your name, Lord Jesus, as we ought. Lord, forgive us for times when we sing your praises here. We, we love your name and delight in your name, and yet in the workplace, in our families, with friends, with colleagues, the trashing of your name brings no response from our hearts. Lord, please forgive us and please help us to know how to live out that consistency of life which is available to your new covenant people because of the outpoured spirit. Change our hearts, Lord. Let us be those who call on your name, love your name 24-7.